Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, potentially the last, I think it'll be the last podcast of 2020. And we're, this is for the Cancer New Moon, sorry, Full Moon. <laughs> and um, I'm Louise Eddington. I am a soul astrologer, author of two books, um, Modern Astrology and the Complete Guide to Astrology. And I help my clients um, break free and create um, an extraordinary life. Jen. Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm an Akashic mentor, soul guide, teacher, author of Le Chic Cocoon, creator of the Illuminating Journey Cards, sharing divine guidance to assist my clients to live freely in joy with their soul's true expression. Cool. And we're going to dive in with the cards, first of all, I think. Uh, just dive straight into things. And I'm going to do my card first this, this time. And um, this card we've pulled before is the Aeon from the Toth Tarot. And, you know, because we've had this card a few times and we are moving into a ast new astrological age, I um, thought I would look up the definition of Aeon. And as I thought, it is the um, the longest division of geological time is, is one, de um, one definition. Uh, an immeasurably long period of time is another one. But also there is another um, definition that I find very, very interesting with this card. Um, in Gnosticism, it's um, defined as a divine power or nature emanating from the supreme being and playing various roles in the operation of the universe. And another one is a spirit being emanating from the Godhead. And this to me is so um, aligned with um, what's happening in the astrology right now, which we'll talk to a little bit more right now. But just looking at this card too, you know, there's so many elements to it for those that can see it and those that can't. We have, you know, the, uh, the figure of um, Osiris and we also have Isis and we also have the um, kind of the snake head of the Medusa, it looks like to me. Would you agree it looks a little bit like that coming out at the top? We also have an archway going through into a cosmic egg, the Orphic egg of rebirth. We also have, you know, fetuses at the bottom floating around. To my mind, this is a real card of a kind of rebirth into um, into something that's more connected and equal. I love how the figures on the cards kind of fade into each other as if they are really just part of the one, really. And there's a lot more I could say about it, of course, but it's also card number 20. <laughs> and here we are finishing up 2020. So <laughs> yeah. anything in this right. Card. So what strikes me as I'm looking at the card is that the, um, the arch around actually looks like a person's face and as if this energy is moving into their head, right? So the person's mm -hmm. head and the energy is like moving in to the individual, the, the birthing coming through the head, through the crown, uh, through the third eye mm -hmm. and descending. And then the kind of the egg part is, is kind of between the throat and the heart. And so that uh, the, the thymus, which is the, 
the powerful heart of our um, awareness. So, yeah, that's what it strikes me as, is this feels very um, aligned, that mm. this is what's happening to us. We are receiving um, information in a new way into our being. And we really are. <laughs> so this card reflects it. And entering this new age that we are entering, you know. Wow. Right, yeah. right. Well, I find that fascinating because the card that came up here from the Illuminating Journey deck is the Soul Portal 27, which is, uh, I thought I would just read what I have here in the book, which says, Flying Carpet Ride. All lies beneath you. The land becomes water. Paradise is everywhere. Fly with open arms. So mm. I think what's interesting is this, the figure, and it could be you, and that's very kind of reminiscent of your your image, which is the figures having this kind of energy coming, light coming into her crown, into her uh, face and being. She's being, or it is being, um, filled with this light uh, and that's kind of activating the lower energy of the body and keeping the um, flying carpet afloat above this this place of wonder that everything it's got a lot of ancient things in the background um, uh, as well as new water everything is there it's very liquid almost like it could be aquarian right the energy of this card and um also that all of the objects in the front there's under the carpet there's all these golden objects there's a key there's gold pieces there's books all kinds of things whatever you need uh, to live in the world is all within your reach what i find interesting is the total peace with which the figure flies and that's what keeps the carpet afloat uh, so it's kind of trusting the energy of the universe to embody it so that you're free to uh, really understand that you don't need to hold on to what's been or anything be attached to anything but the connection that you have to the divine and to having this amazing carpet ride of an adventure and believe me we are going on a carpet ride into an adventure well, we've been <laughs> on one all year but this month in particular, and as we record it this week, we're on December the 18th, we're in the middle of this massive portal of change. And and then we're heading into this full moon. So the details of the full moon are that it's a Cancer full moon at eight degrees and 53 minutes of Cancer. And the moon is the ruler of Cancer. So it's a very uh, strong full moon always when it's a Cancer full moon. It's on December the 30th in the UK at 3.28 a.m. Um, um, and so that's 7.28 p.m. Pacific. So just adjust your time zones. And that's on the 29th in the US though. And, um, and it, you know, it doesn't have any very exact aspects, this, um, this full moon, other than the opposition to the sun, of course. Um, which is at eight degrees, 53 minutes Capricorn, but it's widely conjunct um, Mercury and Mercury is only six degrees away from the sun on the full moon, which is still said to be under the beams or combust. So we'll talk about that a bit. 
the, the strongest aspects are to Ceres in Pisces, Chiron in Aries and Uranus in um, Taurus. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But one of the most powerful um, configurations in this uh, full moon chart is a mutable grand cross between the lunar nodes in Gemini and Sagittarius, Neptune in Pisces, and Vesta in Virgo. And this mutable grand cross is going to take us into 2021 and really is, is bringing massive change because it's to the lunar nodes. Anything square the lunar nodes is a pivot point. And Venus is conjunct the south node on, on that grand cross too. So that's kind of all the technical details. And we'll talk about each one as we go through. So Jen, do you want to dive in? Sure. So uh, having the two uh, dates for the um, uh, full moon always indicates there's kind of a split in the energy, which means that the energy will be felt differently. And there's the opportunity uh, in the States on the 29th, which is an 11. So this portal of um, this precipice we're on being pushed towards something different, stepping through that space and the 11 uh, is asking us to trust the unknown um, with all of the divided opinions and ideas about where we're going to stand on our own two feet in order to activate this new beginning the 30 or the 30th of course, you know, uh, 29 degrees, like in, in um, astrology is, what do they call that? That's an, like an, an erratic degree. Right, an erratic degree. So very extreme, which means it has this impact to change us and which and reduces to a two. So we know it's about our relationship to the world we're in, kind of connects to the 2020 that we've been in, this two repeated over and over. And for the 30th, the final day, right? And that's so interesting, right? We have 30 degrees in astrology, and this is on the 30th day. So the final day of the year, having a full moon or almost final uh, is very powerful. The three indicates the uh, 21 of the year we're entering. Uh, so again, there is that acknowledgement between the two and the three that is so amazing. It's like we're being lit up to remember, okay, you're moving from two into three. We're all having our own experience through this. Uh, the other thing that, of course, we look at is the degree of the moon and the sun. And in this case, the eight, um, eight degrees, 53, so it's almost nine. Um, and we have had quite a few eight degrees for the full moon. So we know this is a key number. Uh, eight is a very powerful number for moving through obstacles. So uh, again, this energy that we are being invited to, you know, even though there are obstacles, even though this is a difficult time to really not think about the obstacles, but to think about the place we want to go. We want to go beyond our obstacles, beyond our obsession about our obstacles or stories that we all have about why we can't do things and really kind of enter that space of free falling into this opportunity, tying into the cards that both Lou and I got, the Aeon and the, that card of flying in the carpet. It's kind of like this is that opportunity to, or the stillness of point 
that we just leave behind the things that have been kind of cramping our style and uh, move forward and style our soul style like the things that we really feel will give us that sense of connection that total connection to source to earth that this experience of why we came here so it's very significant and the fact that we're so close to the nine of course nine is about endings so it's all and letting go of the old of the way we have showed up in the world like we really need to think about letting go of that uh the day i think with the 29 it comes to 18 which is another nine so um I think seven and 11, is that 18? Yes. All right, so um, that's a nine. So again, we're indicating endings, letting go of that egoish part of us that wants to control, like I need to know what's happening before I make up my mind. And uh, of course the other one would be, uh, whatever it is, three plus, seven ten so new beginnings so again they're kind of tapping you know the one the two and three and there's the nine and the one so endings and beginnings it's all of this movement into this experience of uh, wanting to feel and be in expression with what is true for us and of course eight fifty three eight degrees fifty three minutes is two eight so double eight so all that jen said on eight and more <laughs> and you know from an astrological perspective because this is a is a cancer moon in its own sign it, at the eighth degree it feels to me like um it's going to be quite an emotional end to the year you know it's been a challenging year in many many ways of course we all know that i don't have to talk about what's been happening <laughs> but it's also got an element of really cancer is about uh, family and and nurturance and love and um, how you nurture and how you are nurtured and it's also about kind of going into your shell and protect being protective of those you, you love um, if you think about um, kind of crab energy it moves in sideways so this is kind of sideways slide it feels like into the new year and it feels like it's going to be a very subdued kind of end of the year with this cancer full moon um lots lots and when i say lots of emotion i do not you know everybody goes oh no <laughs> but emotion isn't always sadness emotion sometimes is also ecstasy and you know i think we're going to have all the feels on this <laughs> on this full moon to be quite honest it's been quite the year and and when we're moving into the the new as um calendar year uh, with venus um right on that south node um in sagittarius just uh, one degree away from the south node, the south node at 19 degrees. And when Venus crosses the south node, all the major planets are going to be in what's called the draconic bowl again. And so we've got the Cancer new moon, which is very much about going into your shell and being protective and looking after you and yours and all that kind of thing. And then all the major planets trapped, if you like, on one side of the lunar nodes. And, and this happened earlier in 2020, the Draconic Bowl. And at that time, there was lockdowns. Um, 
in in a bigger way than we have now not that i think the us ever really had a lockdown but <laughs> but we were told to stay home that was the that was the kind of uh, message all the time stay home stay safe stay home and um i'm not predicting it will definitely happen but with the way things are going i think there'll be a lot more push to stay home with um venus moving into the draconic bowl so we're ending this year with kind of this energy of of staying home, staying safe, uh, looking after you and your own and and really kind of moving into a different way of living, because I don't think we've quite learned all the messages of 2020 yet. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So I'll come back to more of that in a minute. But uh, yeah. yeah, right. And the, the thing here is that we are entering a phase we have not entered. This is huge. This, um, uh, we cannot downplay or overemphasize enough the incredibleness of the time we're in, moving into whatever it is, the point, we don't know the point of it, but I mean, the beginning point, I mean, but because it's through a process that moving into the Aquarian age in some form means that uh, we are igniting an energy that hasn't been here for 2600 years in the sense of when the last the last time that Saturn and Jupiter entered a sign together at zero degrees was mm. when they entered Pisces 2600 years ago so uh, and then of course we had uh, Saturn and Jupiter entering with Pluto in 1200 so 800 years ago so this isn't something that happens every day. It's monumental. And with that monumental energy, ex we're experiencing, not only are we getting these incredible downloads, plasma downloads from the universe, our bodies are changing, our experiences are changing, our minds are changing. And we are having to grieve uh, the past, the things that we have been attached to, whether we love them or not, we have to grieve it. We have to open our hearts to compassion, to feeling our feelings, mm -hmm. right? That's the key here. It's not like, uh, oh, I'm so sick of having feelings or being emotional, but really our emotions are a key to how we, uh, how healthy we are when mm -hmm. we're releasing the emotions that we want to feel, but we're hiding. So there's going to be a lot of energy around that, that um, surprises, shocks, that are going to push us to want to feel, what do I value? What yeah. is safety to me? Because safety comes from within us, right? It doesn't come on an external. We've spent all these years, hundreds of years, trying to create a safe external. Mm. And it'll never happen until we have the safe internal, which is, to my mind, this is what this whole full cancer moon is about, is, you know, where is your home? Yeah it's in you <laughs> but you know as well venus is our values and i already mentioned venus is on that south node and before i go on any further though i do want to quickly address a review that we had because jen <laughs> mentioned our bodies being changed okay <laughs> and i'm gonna read the review and and thank you for the review um you know it we appreciate all the reviews of course um but the um the comment was um that um 
I do want to voice, I do not appreciate how Lou mostly <laughs> keeps pushing the COVID vaccine and transhumanism as a positive for our species evolutionary growth. Now, I'm not going to read it all, but um, I don't, in my opinion, I don't push it. I just see how the astrology is playing out with this new technology in the, as we move into this age of air, which we are moving into astrologically, which is going to be a time of huge scientific advances and um, and also probably in art and philosophy as well, because um, Aquarius and air signs are about the mind and invention and ideas and things. Um, there may be, um, the comment was, I don't think she's recognizing the darker side of this reality. I actually don't see it as my job to uh, talk about the darker side. I talk about how it's showing up in the astrology. I personally am excited for the vaccines. You don't have to be, you don't have to take the vaccine. Uh, regarding transhumanism, um, I actually kind of really had to look that up <laughs> from that comment because I'm not a transhumanist, but I do see that that's kind of what's potentially coming and it may have both positive and dark sides. So, you know, and I'm, and I'm an astrologer and I'm a Sagittarius, so I'm an eternal optimist and I just see how it's showing in the astrology. So that's that's that from me. So I wanted to address it and there we have it. But to go back to the um, the chart itself, okay, and, and what Jen was saying about um, uh, about where the true safety is, kind of the main aspects to this full moon are to uh, Uranus in Taurus, um, Chiron in Aries and Ceres in Pisces, and to kind of collectively add them up. It, it's it's adding it's it's all about stories that we've had through 2020 about changing our um, perspective about things changing um our value systems are changing you know we're moving out of this age of earth and um and that's been very uh, and that's with the 200 years of earth element we've been in um it's been a time of materialism of you know uh, thinking we control the earth um if you think about what's happened in in the last 200 years you know we've had major mining and and major controlling the earth and major focus on on money and possessions and owning we're being changed our whole value system as as jen said is is being shifted through this period and Ceres in Pisces is leaving the shadow of her retrograde interestingly on this full moon where she's been most of the this year she's about living in alignment with um mind, mind body spirit the earth the cycles all the cycles Chiron in Aries has been um telling us that kind of we are the key in each individually are the key to healing and moving forward um, because Aries is very much about I am Uranus in Taurus has uh, is in Venus ruled Taurus has been shaking up our value system also so yeah it's about really getting to the nugget of of, of really what that safety and security means at its core 
you know, where can you simplify and say, well, you know, my, because I'm a Sagittarius, my gazillion books do not give me safety and security. I could live quite happily without my books, really, you know, if I wanted to. Doesn't I'm not suggesting everybody has to give everything away, but it's really about looking at what's really essential. Um, and usually that comes to within. So, yeah. right. Exactly. And not just what is essential, but how freedom or the drive for freedom pushes us to be more discerning and more willing to let go, let go of our stories that we've told ourselves. You know, it's, it's, that's been our world as we've stayed kind of building things in the physical world, creating this idea of what wealth means and control and all of these things. Uh, we have told many stories to ourselves uh, about what this means and it is time to tell new stories. And so we have, we have a history of galactic stories in our world that have not been explored for a long, long time. And this is the area we're going to with Uranus, with Aquarius being about the ethers, about the higher mind, the energy of electricity, uh, everything changes. When you start thinking about what is possible, uh, what can we innovate? What can we change? Mm -hmm. Uranus is shaking us up to look up at the stars and to go, we've lived a, a life that has been very, um, you know, it's interesting, not grounded, because most of us haven't been grounded, but we've lived a life that has been very uh, kind of focused on looking down or looking at like huddling around what we have mm -hmm. and trying to hold on to it. Uh, but we have this wealth of energy, and it just makes me think of the cards that we pulled. We have this wealth of energy and knowledge that is coming to us through the ethers, through mm -hmm. Um, higher knowing through electricity mm. through like this lightning rod energy like right now in this month we're in a seven universal month and this is about awakening our minds to that higher energy being lit up by plasma um, to look up at the stars and go what else is possible how mm. can I kind of expand my being how can I be in celebration of this greatness instead of living huddled in a really small way because i'm afraid of the elements uh, so there is so much of that energy here in this time to be aware that the way we kind of break through our fear of the elements is to be listen and to become tuned to the elements and become tuned to the electric frequency within us that connects us to the stars to the to the beings and things around us in this physical world that we don't see. And it makes me think, last night I was looking, remember we talked about that uh, metal, whatever it was, that yeah, showed the up in monolith, the monolith. Monolith, right. Mm -hmm. So apparently they've been showing up all over the world. And uh, funnily enough, um, the ones in America, there are some, uh, uh, some people who wear those red hats, that are going around destroying the um, monoliths because they're afraid of the aliens or whatever. They're like, we don't want to be controlled by aliens. But again, that's the energy of fear. Like, we don't want to be controlled. Well, there's a lot of uh, intelligent bodies out there that have way more um, 
uh, uh, what's the word, uh, uh, ways of communicating and creating things than we have uh, developed. Uh, so, but we can be in fear about things or we can be curious and be discerning. When we're curious and discerning, it doesn't mean we just go off an alien arrives and we just go off on their, tr on their little um, craft. Maybe we can't help it. Yeah. But um, I, I think that the fear of, you know, when we look at things like light and dark, that this is just all on one, one energy belt. And if we focus on the dark, then we're going to go, you know, kind of dip into the darkness and or we're trying to run away from it and it's always following us. But when we realize that all is light and dark mm. and that the things that are birthed in the dark are often very powerful, but we have to learn to uh, be more empowered in the dark instead of terrified, right? Like how are we going to find our way out of this if we are afraid of the dark? Exactly. And that kind of brings me to, you know, I guess it's a really great podcast episode to talk about my theory about all this shifting into the ages. I was I was talking to my membership um, in my daily video this morning about how astrologers love to argue and <laughs> and everybody's arguing right now about whether they, we're really into the age of Aquarius or what day does it begin? Well, you know, we've been feeling this coming for a long time. Um, as we record this on December the 18th, we're about to have what's called the Great Mutation on um, December the 21st on the solstice at zero Aquarius, as, as Jen said, of that Saturn and Jupiter meeting. And, and that's moving into the element of air for 200 years for the first time, but in 800 years. But we had an air conjunction in 1980-81 in Libra. And, in, and then we went back to an Earth one 20 years later, because these conjunctions happen every 20 years. Um, and so it's my opinion that we've been entering this air element for over 40 years. We've been in this liminal space. And that speaks to all that Jen's talking about. And it's the same with the astrological age of Aquarius from Pisces. We're in this liminal space. There is not a day where all this is going to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and that goes to everything that Jen said about all this connectedness and the electricity and it's quantum wave theory and all those things. We are really beginning to realize that nothing has this polarity, this start and end and this black and white, and this male and female, and masculine and feminine, there's all the wave of continuum in between. And, and the Aquarius symbol itself is, is two waves, you know? And, and the symbol that's always been called a water bearer is actually pouring spirit or the ethers down on earth. So all of this is developing, and we've been feeling it developing for a while, which is why quantum physics is becoming a thing, not that I completely understand it. I'm not a physicist and that's okay. And, and, and all these other scientific developments, you know, that I've, that I've, I've talked about uh, with the 23 number being highlighted with all our new moons at 23 and Eris being there and the discoveries of the dwarf planets and all these other new bodies in our system. It's our consciousness expanding what we do with it is where our free will is. And yeah, sure, there may be some dark 
sides to all of this, as Jen said, but I think if we focus only on the potential dark instead of making friends with all of it and saying, let's see how we can move with this, then uh, then we move into that state of fear, as Jen said. So because it's amazing transformational times and it's happening whether you resist it or not (laughs) (laughs) indeed you know this is time that has been um predicted and known destined for aeons Mm -hmm. uh you know so all of this is uh, what is part of the plan right Mm -hmm the universal plan regardless of what we think and regardless of what we resist we are in mutation Mm. this is the key here is that we are being mutated the earth is changing you know earth geologists whatever they call them talk about how the earth is changing we are all changing our bodies are changing our bodies i'm sure if they had to compare the elect the you know checking the electromagnetic fields or functions of the body compared to what it was maybe 200 years ago would be super different like we are not the same physically that we were 200 years ago you know i was even talking to a friend about the fact that when i was growing up um, things were so different right the idea of having a child out of wedlock was like you know or and it was living in sin, all those things. Like, yeah, I know some people still believe that stuff. But the average, this is just part of how we are. We watch TV. We see these shows. There are people uh, of all different um, uh, types living together in all these different ways that uh, 40 years ago were considered a sin. Mm-hmm. So just thinking about how our minds have changed and thinking about the idea that Aquarius is about our minds expanding our bodies changing how we think about things. The fact that we do have people that are gender fluid proves that we're changing. Like it doesn't matter whether you want to accept it or not. We are changing and we're changing rapidly. We are being flooded with energy right now and more and more. I think once we have this um, brand mutation or whatever they're calling it, a great connection, we're going to feel even more than we're feeling right now, just because it's going to be a rapid movement. January and February, we have so much movement coming in that is going to change our minds. It's going to pull us away from the things that we have been hanging on to, you know, because we have to learn how to be individual in a collective That's what this is about. Like if we want to make change, we have to be ready to make change. And if we come with um, fixed ideas about how the change will be, then we may not be able to make the change or be part of the change in the way we want to be. Yeah. And, you know, this, um, you you know, to go back to the cancer new moon being a, a double eight, we need the shoring up of the courage and strength of that eight to look at the infinite possibilities of the eight when it's turned on its side, I think. And, and so I, you know, to, to really um, make the most of this is where our free will comes in of this energy upcoming. I think it would behoove you really well to, uh, you know, really 
kind of stay home as you know in in your home you know and and kind of just take the message of the universe that the outer world is is not going to look after us save us anymore or whatever or or is not the best way to look after us and to really spend some time going in i'm not saying you know don't don't go out and do your shopping and things like that but it's a really good time to spend time in contemplation thinking journaling writing um thinking what all of this is unfolding for you because we're going to have downloads galore to use that overused expression <laughs> as, as we as as we record this tomorrow we're going to have a massive long kazimi so i hope you follow my daily posts on facebook and instagram because mercury is going to be in the heart of the sun on the galactic center for 24 hours which is going to be a huge influx of new information as well. It's almost like our minds are going to be barely able to keep up. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about this mutable grand cross with Vesta and Neptune in Virgo and Pisces, squaring the lunar nodes on what is really the axis of truth um, with the south node in Sagittarius and the north node in Gemini. And that is asking us to really um, open ourselves up to um, adapt uh, adaptation and change. And, and Vesta is um, about devotion in Virgo, and that's about devotion to becoming whole in the self. Neptune is um, in Pisces is about that connection with source, with spirit. And then, then we have Sagittarius South Node saying, let go, release, um, get rid of, if you like, those set ideas and beliefs that you are hanging on to. The Neptune Square is asking you to dissolve them. And then we're being asked to move to the North Node in Gemini, which is new knowledge. Be open to new openness, to new knowledge. It's quite an astounding time to be really honest. And I just want to read before Jen dives back in from Llewellyn.com about Mutable Grand Cross, because I think they sum it up so well. Um, it reflects the process of aligning with information, Gemini, that is found in natural laws and truth, Sagittarius, and adjustment, Virgo, of outdated viewpoints and opinions that are not based on universal timeless principles, Pisces. I just, you know, I've shared that on my post the other day, but I just loved how they summed it up there. That's really what we're being called to do. <laughs> right. And I, I do think that the um, since we are um, dissolving the Piscean age, as we kind of evolve into the Aquarian age, that the influence of um, Neptune cannot be uh, played down, right? It is huge, is massive, and it is no accident that it is playing such an important role as we cross over from 2020 into 2021. It's uh, just phenomenal when you think about it because of Neptune's uh, ability or understanding. He's the master of mutation. Mm -hmm. The idea of being in the space, the liminal space of liquid, 
Yeah, where anything changes, you just need to think about what happens with air, what happens with water, and how that all changes when it comes together and, and, and is forming and unforming and deforming and breaking down, like the idea of being in prison, right? We have been in prison with our stories, with our attachment to our addictions. Whatever it is that we think has kept us safe, that's been our prison. And now with this energy, with this grand cross, we're being shown that we get to decide how we want to take what we have created, how we want to use this compost or this material to make something different. Uh, of course, Vesta, the fire, you know, being involved, she is the fire of new beginnings. Uh, and the 19 is the number of new beginnings. It is the number of shining your light, like bringing your light into the world and going, you know what, I'm sick of hiding. I'm sick of trying to make myself fit in with the world. I'm just going to be who I am. And I'm just going to self-correct as I go along. It's so much more powerful which also speaks to the nodes, the nodes giving us this opportunity to release the ideas that have held us trapped and imprisoned. Mm -hmm. And Gemini, the back we come to the mind, the mind opening, expanding, going, there are so many ways we can think about life right now, how we could think about our, you know, what are we here for, right? You know, I, I don't, uh, um, that's the word. I don't uh, connect very well to the idea that we come here to learn lessons. Like, yeah, we learn as we live, but that's not a belief that I follow. Like, oh, we just come here to learn. That like just doesn't seem like that much fun. Um, and why would we do that? We come here because we can experience life in a body and do all kinds of things. So are we going to get onto this adventure and do it? Here's this opportunity to expand and open up to that. And interesting that uh, Neptune is, you know, moving into 19 has been at 18 degrees for so long. The 18 is about endings and it's ending that control of the ego. I call it the death of the ego, not because we don't need our ego. And in fact, when you look at the number eight, which is where the moon is, the moon and sun, this is that symbol symbol of infinity, two circles, two zeros, which represent everything and nothing, and our breath, which is how we breathe, that's air, bringing them together, that point where they connect is considered the ego, it's the attachment, that's how we know this is my life in my body that I get to choose, because we didn't have an ego, we just go into one big ball, <laughs> and we just be like liquid without any choice and we don't want that because we all have opinions and we love our opinions and mercury is about opinions so we want opinions but we want to learn how to be opinionated in a group how we get things done i wanted to address also what lou was talking about in terms of um this time this time we're in right now using it not only for contemplation and for uh devaluing the things that you have valued that maybe are useless to you right now going forward into a new age 
right? Where we're thinking about how our thoughts become ideas and how those ideas become real because we're putting attention to it. Mm -hmm. So when we're in a space right now where we're breaking away from the rigidity of how things have been and we've been given this immense uh, game to play that we can create how things will become, then you want to think about what are the solutions? Like, yeah, okay, school isn't the way it was, you know, religion or whatever, beliefs are not the same, my way, work isn't the same. So, okay, how do I want to experience this? What do I want to bring in? Knowing there's going to be obstacles and issues to deal with, but hey, I want that thing, so I'm going to work with it. So you want to build up your... Uh, ability to adapt without giving up the essence of who you are which means you need to know your essence which comes back to the moon in cancer at 29 or 30 well on the 29th or 30th at eight degrees <laughs> yeah, exactly and and you know i wanted to um talk a bit more about neptune to follow up with what jen was saying this again is a longer process because Neptune does not leave Pisces till March the 30th, 2025. So how appropriate that really that Neptune is in Pisces and making such powerful aspects um, to the lunar nodes, which are always a pivot point at any, no matter when um, they are squared, that they are, you know, squared as we're leaving this age of Pisces. And they act the exact square from Neptune to the nodes is not till January the 26th. So Jen and I are not just talking about this, this full moon. We're talking about longer term cycles. We're talking about really being asked to be adaptable, really being asked to let go and surrender, really being asked to touch to get in touch with the essence of you. To my mind, it's more about that. Uh, the new values, the the new world that we're creating. And, and that's perhaps why I don't, to go back to that review again a little bit, kind of focus on the, the dark agenda of what might be coming because we just do not know. We are in an unknown space. And anything I project that might happen or anything anybody projects that might happen might not happen. I don't think we have a clue what's going to emerge <laughs> from all of this, other than the fact there will be huge advances and things are going to move at warp speed. So, and whether you like the advances or not, right. a different matter. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I do think it's incredibly important right now that we address this idea of our obsession with being controlled. Because yeah. when we fear the dark we are being controlled mm -hmm. uh, and anything that we either fear or um, get behind like uh, you know just we use examples in politics just because most people know about them and they're just so delicious as examples um, but like in the US with uh, the whole Trump phenomena that's happening and that uh, even though, you know, he's denying this is just so perfect for the time, just showing us how ridiculous it is. We have been focused on a certain outcome and somebody just comes along who has power, influence and decides I'm not going to do it that way and then has all these people that are following him 
that go, yeah, I'm going to follow him. I don't care what the truth is. This is it. So that's the illusion, but it also shows us the impact of religious belief. Because for me, when I think about religion, it's terms about controlling your thoughts. Mm. And it needs to be a certain way that you follow a certain rule that somebody else has decided, and then you don't question it. And when we go into that place, like we go, this is the dark side, I'm going to close the door, I'm not going to look at it. Uh, you deny yourself the opportunity to really go deep into something because uh, when you're afraid and you close that door, um, then it's harder to be adaptable. It's harder to go, you know what, maybe there's something I don't know. Like the way I feel it right now, I probably know nothing, right? Less than I think I know. And uh, that's healthy. It's healthy to recognize like, yeah, I don't know anything except like I know myself, right? And how I get to know more is by knowing more about myself. And maybe what I know about myself today is not what I'll know about myself in six months. But if I cut off a part of that, like, oh, that's the part I can't go to because it's too scary. Oh, I don't want to look at my dark side. I don't want to look at my shadow. Oh, I don't do that. I'm not going to grow or change. And I'm not going to be able to take advantage of this amazing time to become part of the change because I'm choosing to change myself and therefore have the experience I want to have. Well, because the experience I want to have is to be in joy with my experience. And, you know, it's undoubtable that this, that this is very uncomfortable space for most of us. <laughs> Which is, which is why it's really important to focus on yourself and, and, and you know, because it, the energy of this mutability that's coming up and this change is chaos. And, and we are born from chaos. And to talk about Neptune and Pisces again, that's the energy of the amniotic fluid, this, this sac where your cells are being formed and it's like we're being reformed and it's so uncomfortable. And and it's that liminal space again. We're in that liminal space between ages, between um, eras of air from Earth. It's so much change we are going through. And yeah, the only thing you can do is uh, look after yourself. And and I and I to talk about the full moon with the energy. The sun is um, on the opposite point, of course, because it's a Cancer full moon and a full moon is always an opposition a capricorn is often talked about as control and all we've had all this major um capricorn council as many astrologers are calling them this year showing us that um these these people we've given our control away to really really don't have that power over us I used to be really involved in for a while in politics and now I don't even read about it because I don't think any of it really freaking matters. It doesn't control me. It doesn't I don't feel controlled at all by anything out there. You know? I agree. I'm yeah. with you. Like, you know, it's we decide, like each of us has connection. And when you were talking about the amniotic fluid, I was just getting this vision from the Akashic uh, beings is this idea of being lit up or being, you know, sparked by the light of the uh, galactic field. That's also part of our DNA. Um, and so this idea of being awakened to 
your responsibility. Saturn is about responsibility, not, oh, what I need to do to be a good person or look good or have wealth, etc. that we've seen all this bullshit out there. But this idea of responding to what is true to you, what is real for you, instead of pretending, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do those things because people told me or because I'm afraid. Uh, when you take responsibility for your own actions, then you don't need to push others, you don't need to make others do anything, and you have the freedom to just do whatever's true for you. Uh, but also looking at the, um, the moon and sun and recognizing the, um, the play between these fields of responsibility or limitations, uh, which are so important. We can't exist without limitations. I did a whole video on my channel around that, but the limitations of this, you know, it's like the idea that we want boundlessness, but we can't survive in a place without boundaries. So we've looked to the external for boundaries and it hasn't worked that well. So now we want to create the boundaries for ourselves so we can move between the worlds, which is what we're doing. We're moving between worlds. So that's fascinating. Hmm? Jen did mention the responsibility part as well, though, and that brings the connection uh, between all of us. You know, we are all connected. We cannot forget responsibility for others, too. You know, that our actions will affect others. So this is not about my freedom. You know, it's not about I do what I want and screw anybody else. This is about responsibility as well for the whole, for the collective. Right. Well, Lou and I have a very different thought about that. Uh, not that we shouldn't contribute and give, but I believe the truer we are to ourselves, the more we contribute to the world uh, just by being true. I'm not saying being defiant or trying to prove a point because that's not freedom. Well, no, I agree. I agree with you. You know, we, we are true to ourselves, but we're still aware that anything, our actions in the world ripple out also. So that's the responsibility to me. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about the paternalistic kind of responsibility where we are responsible for looking after everybody else. It's not that at all. Mm. Right. And so just being responsible, responding to what's true to you. So if you have an issue, you're honest with people about it and not hide it. So you need to manipulate uh, that's key. You do what's right for you, knowing we're all connected. We can't escape from that, that we're all connected and that everything we do impacts everyone because we're all in this together. Uh, so that's really key. My eye was just caught here by the fact that Saturn and uh, Jupiter in this uh, full moon, that Saturn is at one degree and Jupiter is at two degrees. Right, and the two, that's really interesting. The one, two, speaking to uh, some of the other numbers that we've experienced uh, in terms of focusing on what is necessary. The one being very focused on what you need to do in order to be a great contributor or leader in the world. Like, and that can be in a tiny way. It doesn't have to be like, oh, a massive, I need to be on the stage. It can just be being that honest, true person in your own life, doing the things, really telling people what you think in a kind way, just following whatever you value, basically. Um, and focused on what is it that I'm bringing into being uh, 
and the Jupiter with the expanding energy of bringing the benevolence, the connection, the relationship with the other, with the self, because the choices you make do ripple out into the world and how you bring that forward ripples out. And when we think about the sun and moon uh, with Capricorn and Cancer, that's so crazy because that's been this whole thing, right? That we've been dealing with, with the, um, the moon is often considered the people, right? And Capricorn, the structure or whatever, right? The idea that we are breaking away from that system from that idea of not being in rebellion but really needing to rebel against the structures that just confine us but don't actually get the thing don't help us to grow or change so uh, before i just tune chime in on that one as well i a quick ad break <laughs> our patreon patreon.com forward slash weirdly magical for just $3 a month, or you can pay more if you choose. Thank you so much to two people who signed up this month and to support our podcast for uh, more than $3. But it's not necessary. Um, $3 is the suggested amount. It helps us to uh, continue this work and to pay for podcast running um, costs. Also, another quick um advert we are going to be coming out with merchandise in the new year we have a design we're going to get it check that it looks good on t-shirts and you are going to be able to buy weirdly magical podcast t-shirts and the design is wonderful so watch this space for that and um i'll talk more about other things in a little while <laughs> but um i wanted to talk uh, about the cancer capricorn um axis uh, from another perspective as well it's all that jen said but it's also the birth to death axis and you know i've talked before about you know we're being asked to really start to see the patterns um Pallas Athena is 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 kind of the seer of patterns, if you like, and she charged her way ahead of Saturn and Jupiter into Aquarius. And Aquarius is very much about patterns. It's about the connections between everything, the planets, how they work in us and all those things. And then can, um, the Cancer Capricorn axis is about uh, birth and death and rebirth and the cycles of that and the composting and and being reborn again and you know we're really in you know it, and i don't want to dis diss the whole um age of pisces but the 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 thing about <laughs> leaving an age i think is that or leaving an, a, a period is that the worst of it tends to show up because it's what you do not want to do anymore and and we've lost a lot of our connection with um with those cycles you know i think about uh death people used to almost celebrate death you know have wakes and 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 dance and and go just let's celebrate the life of it and because it's inevitable we're all going to die and our um <laughs> our society in in more recent years has become sanitized from from um from birth and death really you know from you know really kind of um the growth of um 
what's that what's that when you give birth not naturally you know what I mean? uh, <laughs> cesareans from cesareans from, an interesting you know. word cesarean yeah it is isn't it very very interesting word and and just kind of the very over medicalization of birth not that it's not sometimes necessary but it's become like people now time it you know i'm going to go in and have my baby on two o'clock on friday and um (laughs) 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 and and we've just become very sanitized from these the nitty-gritty of earth so so whilst yeah there's in the age of aquarius there's that kind of um there is that element of transhumanism if you want to call it that there is also an element of rediscovering our actual connection with all that is as well. So I kind of think there might be a, um, and I've talked about it before, you know, a, a return to, you know, organic gardening and people growing their own food, but also perhaps a, a return to more natural childbirth and and acceptance of the cycles of life and death and not trying to remove yourself from it all. So. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there are plenty of doulas now that, uh, you know, that whole part and people have got more interested in organic gardening and there's all these people doing things with fertilizing in different and ways. Death doulas is a new thing, is a thing now, now too. People call themselves death doulas. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. So there is that energy and this, uh, the 30, the three, the emotional aspect of embracing death embracing life you know when you embrace it all and you want to be here present to the experience what we've kind of been talking about you have the opportunity to be more connected to life and death because really from the minute we're born we're dying right so it's like how do you experience this like i mean really if we knew we only had one day to live or one week to live. Would we choose to do the things we're doing now and behave the way we're behaving? Mm. Maybe not. Exactly. But of course, Ceres, I mentioned Ceres is um, at 11 degrees um, on on the uh, chart for the full moon, 11 degrees Pisces, which is right. the degree she stationed retrograde at like ages ago. <laughs> I could look that up, but I'm not going to. She's been, um, or maybe I will while we talk about it. But um, she is, um, uh, Ceres, I think, is is hugely important, which is why I'm actually thinking of writing a book on Ceres. Um, she was the first asteroid, number one, discovered in 1801. So I had a mind-blowing thought that maybe the age, the shift into age of Aquarius actually began then who knows <laughs> was because she is now a dwarf planet and um so the discovery of all these asteroids and dwarf planets began with Ceres and here she is at 11 degrees and Jen will talk to you about that number which is a master number but it's also leaving her shadow of her retrograde and she's in Pisces and she represents not only the alignment with the cycles but she also represents um grief and forgiveness in a in a kind of healthy way like being allowed to feel um the grief for having to let go of certain things even if you know you really want to it's okay to grieve and then self-forgiveness for perhaps where you've been up to this point because you are moving into a different kind of energy right now it's okay that you know 
I, I look back at my younger self, you know, as as um, uh, young 20s. I was so unaware and so like um, earthbound, if you like, bound, not grounded, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and focused on just kind of a bit of a hedonism kind of thing, having a good time and all that kind of stuff. And nothing wrong with having a good time, but it's not me now. And and it's OK to forgive myself that I was okay that was who i was then and just say i'm just different now now yeah right right uh, you know the feeling the emotion uh, emotion is what drives us and it is what uh, allows us to experience freedom so when we have uh, we feel grief or sadness or um, allow ourselves to forgive ourselves I mean, all those different levels of compassion when we see how um, others are experiencing things. So the difference between empathy, like trying to imagine ourselves as them and instead be empowered through compassion uh, is that we understand that somebody else's experience is what they say it is and we hold that for them, that space for them is so much more grounding but also freeing the more we can feel into this idea that everyone has experiences, everyone's done things you know, I know many times I made choices uh, for expediency, uh, not necessary because they were the best or because it was what I necessarily wanted. And so forgiving myself for that and allowing myself, you know, being when I was a mother, I wasn't the greatest mother. Uh, if I didn't know what I know now, right? So I can certainly have regret and pain around it. But the best thing is to find compassion for myself through that, right? You know, you can ask others for their forgiveness, but truly, uh, and they, I mean, my daughter's totally fine with it. But the point is that uh, we are the ones that have to forgive ourselves. We are the ones that have to move beyond, uh, you know, whatever we think is, you know, the thing that is, quote unquote, wrong with us or that we did, that we don't necessarily love. Um, yeah about ourselves right and they can be you know sometimes we exaggerate uh, or um, kind of blow it up and really punish ourselves for something that probably wasn't as bad like my view of myself as a mother and my daughter's view of being mothered is different right and so she goes oh you were great and I'm like no I wasn't great right but it's like it's okay, move on from that story and just let it go. So I can, you know, as long as there's lack within us, it's hard to create that wholeness of being and feeling safe, right? Safe in who we are. And to quote the lovely Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. But I would also say, actually change it to say, when you know different, you do different. So right and 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 give yourself permission no, to better. it's it's just different <laughs> well absolutely you're so right because that idea of being better means that there's something wrong with you in the first place and we want to move away from that we make choices based on the information we have and when we have other information we mostly make choices based on the new information because we're growing and that's the beautiful. We want to grow. Well, to me, I do. I'm very curious. So I just want to grow and change and improve. But others may just be like, well, I'm great. Like, that's totally up to us to decide how uh, aware and discerning we want to be, knowing the more in the present we are, the easier it is to adapt and change and move. Um, 
through it. So, yay. You were saying Ceres may have been the one who started. I was just wondering, maybe it was Uranus, the discovery of Uranus that started the Aquarian age. Who knows? It's an interesting idea regardless, right? Researching it and doing it could be really fun. Yeah. Uh, but what the number... What year Uranus was in? Was that? 18. I thought it was in 18 something. They were very close actually, so... Right. Yeah. I wonder, was Ceres before? What year did you say? 1801. Oh, she might have been before then. I thought, I thought, was it, was it 1835 or was it 1781? There you go. Oh, right. Yeah. So that's interesting because we had the, um, you know, before that, the Renaissance that was Mm. also geared by movement of, um, uh, Saturn and Jupiter. So very what, interesting. Twelve twenty six. <laughs> no, in fifteen something. There was. Oh, a... but twelve twenty six was when we moved into air again, and that brought. Oh right. That brought the Renaissance. So right. Could have been that moment. You know, you can go back and see a path all the way, but it's. I'm sure it'll be fun to explore. Like just amazing to bring these female energies into being. I just saw. Um, the other day that this artist and I don't remember her name she's English uh, uh, considered um, controversial uh, she was uh, commissioned to do a statue of Mary Wollstonecraft how do you remember to pronounce her name I think it's Wollstonecraft Wollstonecraft right and so she did this statue and so it was a bunch of women that have been like raising funds for 10 years to to do the statue because there are hardly any statues of any important females like she was run you know run to the ground and whatever you know because she was this amazing philosopher she brought a lot of energy and and new ideas into the world and um, that are still you know a lot of people hooked on to and so this statue which is in some square in London with all these clothed you know pompous guys and it's like this big like waterfall going upwards with like woman and then at the top is a naked there she is Mary naked you know every woman and she said the reason why she did naked is because clothes would make it you know too specific to something Mm. but of course there's controversy because the naked woman with her bush showing her bush but I think it's really you know it's great now they're talking about her so nobody's heard of her and now everyone's like yeah who's this woman (laughs) I know I when I saw about the statue I had to you know I'd heard of her but I had to look more up about her when I read about it too Right. So another quick ad break. <laughs> we also have an Instagram and a Facebook and a YouTube channel, all called Weirdly Magical. And we would appreciate um, likes and follows and all those kind of things. Also, reviews, podcast reviews on iTunes. Obviously, clearly, we read them because <laughs> I referred to one of them today. <laughs> appreciate every single review whether it's five star or not we of course we hope it's five star but we don't expect everybody to agree with everything we say because that's not how the world works and (laughs) um (laughs) so to um are we ready for the symbols or is there anything else we want to talk about with the uh, full moon 
Let's just see. I was going to mention about the 11 and I wanted to talk about Uranus for a minute. Um, so the 11, I talked about it. It is an 11. Uh, this moon is on the 29th in part of the world. So it's just knowing the 11, that power of the 11 that allows us to imagine that we are entering a new phase. We're standing on the threshold. We're invited into a new experience. Uh, it is also connecting us to what is above us, to the guidance, to the knowing of our soul that needs to come in. So it is an activation of uh, stepping into being in that space of being able to lead from divine influence, being able to connect the two, bring that intelligence, that message out into the world to connect it to others and trust, trust that you're in the right place. So that's a really important time to stand on your own two feet in a whole new way, allowing this energy to flood into your being, knowing you are a connector to the world. Like if you're listening to the show, if you're listening to shows like this, then clearly you have information that is useful, that you become who you are and in that way and trust that and trust that it's going to be okay. And then you can go forward and express and be who you are and your message will be received. And then Oops. Uranus. I want to talk about Uranus because I do think it's such an important part of all of this, playing such a key role, uh, this energy, lightning energy, plasma, right? The only plasma they say we have in the world is from lightning. And we are being flooded with plasma right now from outside the world. So we are changing and upgrading. And this is you know, understanding the relationship that Uranus has to us. Uh, Uranus is uh, very much, the way I see it and hear about it, is very much a um, what we might consider an outsider. Uh, so many of us may have felt we are or have been outsiders or outside of the norm, uh, misunderstood. Uh, one of the things that Uranus teaches us is that, you know, to stand in who we are regardless of who we think we, you know, how we think we fit in. And in that way, bring our gift to the world, kind of like the number 11. Uh, so it's a highly intelligent, like genius, genius it's energy that- uh, Modern ruler of Aquarius, of course. Right, right. Yeah. And, and doesn't uh, care about this idea that I don't agree with you or I'm not gonna do it because that energy no, and I I don't even think about Uranus as being male or female. It's just just that energy that comes in that says you will change, right? You will be moved. You will be shoved into new and uncomfortable places because this is growth. This is expansion. This is freedom. And it's at six degrees for this um, experience, this full moon. And six is the number that ties us to home. So the cancer energy and that idea of being connected to loving ourselves, loving our home, uh, just finding the comfort of where we live within ourselves and how we uh, activate that so we can be comfortable with other people's choices and with moving and changing and shaking up our genius 
And yeah, all that Jen said about that. But I also, uh, before we move on to the symbols, want to mention Black Moon Lilith. Um, I hadn't mentioned her. Now, I use the true calculation of Black Moon Lilith. There are two calculations, the mean, which means kind of a smoothed out calculation. But Black Moon Lilith, to me, does not want to be smoothed out. So <laughs> if, if her position in this chart doesn't, you go, wait, I'm sure she's somewhere else. It's because I use the true calculation. And in this chart, she is at zero degrees of Taurus which is actually square to the zero Aquarius where the great conjunction is happening on December the 21st, the solstice. And she is this wild card energy. She is the original energy of um, equality, really, um, that has been squashed for many, many years. And yes, she's the first female energy really that was uh, said to be created um she's been demonized for uh centuries by particularly by religion as a succubus who ate babies and things like that but really she was just another outsider who was outcast because she would not conform and would not be controlled so she is at this zero degrees um, squaring that majorly important part. And as Jen would say, you know, zero really represents um, the God source, the potential, the limitlessness and infinity and openness and um, wholeness both together. It's kind of the alpha and omega. It's, it's some astrologers say it was not even really a number. We should start at one, but we do. We start at zero and, and it's, um, you know, the full card in the tarot is zero as well. It's kind of this this openness to infinite possibilities. And um, I love that Lilith is there on that point to end the year. <laughs> right. It's just so perfect uh, that she is there, like bringing in this divine energy uh, to flood the way we look at freedom and uh, the potential that we bring compassion to this. Uh, I think that's so important here and it's so emphasized over and over again that our feelings, our compassion, our kindness is what will help us move and evolve through this radical change that we're going through. That when we remember compassion and connection uh, and what is natural in all of us, that we're not suppressing some because we don't like what they're doing, uh, that we have that fullness of experience. Absolutely. We, I think you briefly mentioned Chiron, but the fact that Chiron is at five degrees, which we're moving into five year, all about change, mm. through this stuff, Chiron is the one who helps us understand that our compassion or our healing of ourselves is what will give us the freedom to then heal the world, right? Like we can't heal the world if we don't heal ourselves. But he was, also, he was also a character of high learning as well. He was not right. the other centaurs. And that kind of uh, applies to what we've said about the Aquarius too, the the higher philosophies, the, the, the use of the mind again, the belief in um, the scientific method again, but also not forgetting, but the science has moved on, caught up with 
with people like Jen and I actually with quantum science, because science now realizes that, you know, what was thought woo is actually kind of scientific. But um, but anyway, Chiron is that too. He was he's the, he was the teacher to the gods, for heaven's sake, you know. So, yeah. Right, right. And and some people say that I'm talking about Uranus, that Uranus should have been Prometheus, right, which is um, all of them, Uranus, Lilith and Chiron, what they have in common is that they were willing to do things mm. that others said you couldn't. Yes. Right? And and they did it because they were focused on changing humanity or whatever. They wanted to give the gift of something to humanity that had others had denied them, kind of like Eris, right? Yes. So it's, yes. it's interesting that all of these um, characters, if you will, these energies are all kind of circling around here, kind of reminding us that we are being supported to do the unusual, to do the innovative, but mm -hmm. to do it with heart, with compassion, with understanding that our way may not be the way, but we're going to do it because it's going to connect others. It's going to help humanity move forward. And just real quick before we do the symbols, because we're going quite long here, but I do want to mention that January the 2nd, um, four days after the full moon, uh, Mars leaves the shadow of his rare retrograde in Aries um, that um, last happened in 1988 and then 1941 before, so very rare. And it's January is kind of going to start with a bit of a bullet to be quite honest so um a reminder that jen and i did do a weirdly magical overview um of 2021 and you can find that on our youtube channel or on our facebook page and that jen and i did offer um a special uh, mini reading each um and they're available to the end of the year when i share this on our on our page and on our um youtube channel i will put the links to both of those in case anybody wants to grab one before the end of the year um you know you may have to wait a, a bit into january to actually get them but you can buy them until the end of the year so symbols let's do them because we are we had so much to say today i love it <laughs> am i going first yeah you go first yeah so the cancer nine degrees a small naked girl bends over a pond trying to catch a fish. The keynote is the first naive quest for knowledge and for an ever elusive understanding of life. So that small naked person symbolizes the innocent and spontaneous mind as yet unclothed in cultural patterns and, un and unrestrained by don't trying to satisfy its curiosity about what seems mysterious and fleeting. In a sense, the pond is the infant's mind with a very limited scope of consciousness, yet eagerly reaching out to catch the swift and elusive first realizations of the meaning of life. Whenever a person is confronted with this symbol, he they should realize that there is much value indeed in simply reaching out with a pure and unconditional mind to the most elementary experiences which natural life offers us. And the key here is purity in understanding. Love it. And that speaks to a lot of what we've talked about. And, and, and just as an aside before I read mine, 
as Jen and I read these every um, podcast episode now, I'm realizing the Sabian symbols need to be slightly rewritten because they come from such patriarchal <laughs> perspective. Because when it's all innocence and sweetness, it's a girl. And when it's knowledge and things, it's a man. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how Jen changes the language when she's reading it. But I think it's about time somebody um kind of did a little bit of rewriting not of the whole thing but just uh using some different terms for uh anyway you get the idea <laughs> <laughs> so my uh symbol the cancer nine for the chandra symbol is a skeleton playing a flute death is a haunting accompanist to the tender side of life the spine-tingling touch of death close at hand renders poignant and accentuates what is vital in the world of the living. It takes courage to dance with death. Fear is natural under the circumstances. You have to play your fear and turn it into the music of courage. Wandering along the threshold between the living and the dead, belonging to neither world, let yet integrally part of both, intimately familiar with every side of existence, one who passes as a stranger, unknown and unknowable. Solitude is your element. The contemplation of the mysteries becomes as natural as breath, as ingrained as holding steady in the violent windstorm of life in the earth. Lyrical, melancholy, and dissociated from familiar comforting things. A mist or haze wraps you about, creating an aura of the uncanny, and it is there that you feel at home and nowhere else. Wow. Wow. I mean, that one speaks to that Cancer Capricorn axis that we've talked about, the whole, yeah, liminal space belonging in neither world right now so <laughs> aura of the uncanny yes yes for those who don't know the word canny or uncanny is it's intuitive connected mm. to your intuition yeah it used to be used very widely for that and we've kind of lost that connection with that as well so it's all those liminal spaces and both the both of the um symbols speak to that really yeah um, you know the, you know when, right when you're kind of at that point of that innocent and spontaneous mind you're in a, a liminal um place too so yeah it's kind of addressed the light and dark aspects you know kind of more of the fun aspect in the one way and then the kind of deeper mm. more um mysterious oh. i think to end the year i think i will copy and paste both those symbols onto our facebook page and our instagram maybe i'll make a meme out of each one so you can uh, people can go and read the words because um i think they were a great way to end the year really for this uh what a year it's been so uh jen tell everybody how they can find you so uh you can find me at my website jenduchen.com that's j-e-n-d-u-c-h-e-n-e -E -E. i do have a youtube channel and i post weekly videos uh, 
using the illuminating journey cards and that's at Jen Dushin Global um, Akashic something or other. Um. <laughs> Global Guardian of uh, something. <laughs> that's right, Global Guardian of the Akashic Records. Um, so you can go to my YouTube channel. I also have a, a group on Facebook with the same name. You can find me under Jen Dushin on Facebook, on Instagram. I do a couple of posts a week. And um, oh, yeah, the cards are available on my website. I do readings. If you're interested, you can also find on my website Kashik readings. I can do numerology readings. And yeah, that's me. <laughs> and um, I'm Louise Eddington. You can find me at my website, which is louiseeddington.com, L O U I S E E D I N G T O N. And maybe in 2021, I'll get that changed to cosmicowlastrology.com, which I own, but I haven't changed it over yet. Um, at um, Instagram, Facebook, um, YouTube, Cosmic Owl Astrology, all likes and follows welcome. Um, also, I have a Facebook group, Cosmic Owl Astrology Cafe. Um, some people like to be in the group because the conversation's a little more private. Um, and also, um, what was I going to say? My books are available on my website or from all um, good booksellers online, indie sellers, Amazon, whatever you prefer to buy them from. If you own my book, I appreciate reviews or either book. So it's Complete Guide to Astrology and Modern Astrology. And I have a membership um, site too, um, if you would like to support my personal work going forward. And one reminder again, uh, patreon.com forward slash weirdly magical to support this podcast. And um, that Jen and I have our special um, offer um, available to listeners of the podcast till the end of uh, the year. So for now, it's goodbye from Lou. Goodbye from Jen.